1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy, or through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I, I'm convinced that so many Christians aren't sure what their purpose in life is. Why am I here, God? What, what, what am I here to do? Uh, we've said before that, that um, God made, makes fish to swim and birds to fly, but many of us don't know whether we're a bird or a fish. We're not sure. And uh, once we understand some part of what God has put us on this planet for, we gain such confidence and a sense of purpose. My life suddenly has meaning. It's not just to make money and pay the bills. There's something bigger than that. And then even if I've got a rotten job, then I know, man, I'm going to work because Jesus has put me there. And I'll do it with a smile on my face until he puts me somewhere else, rotten job or not. Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was given you through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Can I suggest to us this morning that if you're not sure, maybe you should make a coffee date with one of the elders? That's what the Bible says. Maybe you need a mate just to put your, his hands or her hands on you and pray for you and say, man, I'm going to walk with you. We're going to trust Jesus. Sometimes we personally are more in the dark about ourselves than everyone around us. Hey? It's not rocket surgery, you know, you, you look at a person and generally you can see where the strengths lie. And yet most of us are like, oh, don't ask me, I'm just a worm if you ever watched The Labyrinth 100 years ago. It's like, oh, I don't know what I can do to help Jesus out, you know. don't know really if, I can, if I'm worthwhile. When we know what God has put on us, we gain a sense of confidence. We say, actually, I, I, whether I'm the best at it or not, I know what God has asked me to do in this life. And I can guarantee you, the, the over, if, if you're not sure, we have said that our purpose is to know Jesus and to make Him known. And anything in your life that fits into that has to be on the right track. Yeah? I remember a, a friend says, when he prays, he just asks the Lord to put people's names in his head who he should pray for. And if a name pops, pops into his head, he just assumes it's the Lord and it's not the devil. Like you say, Lord, who should I pray for? You know, uh, the name that pops into your head, it's chances are it's not the devil telling you to pray for that person. Chances are. So chances are, whatever you do in your life, if it advances the fact that I, you or I get to know Jesus more, or we allow other people to get to Jesus more, chances are we're on the right track. You've got two jobs to choose. Choose the one that helps you tell people about Jesus a little bit more. And we're done. So verse 15. Verse 15 says, be diligent in these matters. Diligent is not a popular word in this day and age, right? Diligent? <laughs> diligent, put the hours in. Oh, yep. Diligent is not well celebrated. It says, give yourself wholly to them. That's also, uh, man, we, we, we like to keep a, a way out. Uh, uh, we like to hedge our bets. We like to look for loopholes. It says, give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now, forgive me if you'll just humor me for a moment. Would you repeat after me? So that everyone may see your progress. How's your progress? Somewhere along the line, I mean, growing up somewhere along the line, it's like the assumption is that, that Christians 
It's like when we work ourselves into a lather, when we, we, we work ourselves into a kind of a spiritual fit, then we read our Bible. You know, when like the, the angels sing over our heads, then we make it to church. It's like somewhere that's become acceptable Christianity. And here it says that everyone may see our progress. It's like the assumed kind of heights of Christian experience is just what is bread and butter, normal daily life. <laughs> yeah? And we get stuck in a rut. I've got into a rut. Uh, yeah, I'm too tired in the morning, too tired at night, don't have time at lunchtime. We just get stuck in that rut. And, uh, we, you know, we're not good. We don't like to gauge our progress with the Lord. Because it's such a, it's like a, it's a subjective thing. It's so hard to know. Like, and I want to contend this morning. We're talking about being unstuck in our fruitfulness. Unstuck in our fruitfulness. Jesus looked at a, a fig tree that had full of leaves, and when it has leaves, it's supposed to have fruit. It didn't have fruit. He looks at it. He says, that's a die. And I love it. The, the next morning, the disciples walk past the same tree, and there's, the Bible says it's, it's shriveled up even to its roots. I tell you, I could use some of that anointing with our weeds in the, in the, in the grass. Die! And then the next day, you know, it's over. That would be really cool. <laughs> but here's the point. It looked good, but it had no fruit. It was stuck in just an external experience, but no fruit. I was so challenged a little while ago. Some guy preaching at an at equip, at a he said, you know what? If we're really counting for God, our fruit will grow on other people's trees. I thought, man, Lord, that, that's radical. I, I, I tell you, it stuck with me. I'm putting up my hand when I'm praying. I'm saying, hey, Lord, I, if I can have fruit that grows on people's trees, man, help me, Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if your life helps another man to love his wife better? Another man to represent Jesus better in, in his workplace or another neighbor to be kinder to their neighbor. Wouldn't it be amazing? And so here it says, Paul writes to Timothy, his protege, and he says, make sure everyone can see your progress. So when you go to work, in, if you've worked at a company for more than a year, they should be saying, man, I don't know what is you smiling more than last year. If, if you get a new job, or uh, the best thing you can do as a Christian is, is, is just come clean as soon as you can. Let people know around you that you're a Christian as quick as you can. Because the longer you take, the harder it gets. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You might remember the first part of this verse. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you went to Sunday school, you probably sang songs about this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah? And don't put a light under a bushel. I remember singing as a, as a little kid. Yeah? And so we know that part, but let's read on this one more verse in verse 16. It says, in the same way as Amor educated us, in the same way is not really difficult to understand. In the same way as the light on a stand and, and the city on a hill, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others. Uh, I mean, just 
I'm asking us, we must get unstuck so we can quantify, am I moving forward with Jesus or am I stuck in a rut? And sometimes we just live life, we don't actually realize we've seen that same bush how many times. <laughs> yeah? Uh, my last job before I came full-time was that of being a, a sales rep. And I remember sometimes you got the sketchiest, it was before GPS, the, the, the sketchiest uh, directions to a new client. And then you're driving around a, a city you're not so sure about. And, and then the next, eventually you get lost and eventually you find the, the client. But then the next time you drive that same route to the same client, you can't quite remember which of the choices was the one that actually got you there. You can't remember if you, if you remember the wrong route or the right route. And uh, here it says that uh, we don't want to be those that just unawares find ourselves going around in circles. Ha- hang on, this this. <laughs> this house looks familiar. Didn't we just pass it? Yeah? I want to be able to quantify it. So it says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. Whose good deeds must be seen? Whose good deeds? You know, there are other religions, false religions, that are very big on brownie points. They're very big on quantifying our activities on God's behalf. Now, the sad thing is they do it to earn God's favor. We as believers in Jesus Christ don't have to earn God's favor as we sang today. But rather, because we have His favor, there should be evidence of that working out in our lives. And it says here, so that they may see your good deeds. Most of us are so undercover Christians, no one's even noticed our good deeds. We kind of say, bless you under under our breath and hope no one notices. Yeah? says here, see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. I love this. It's like, it's, so, so I don't get praise attracted to me when I'm doing good deeds, but actually people see Jesus. Is there anyone that feels that they have the kind of same, same gifting, even if it's just in small form as a Billy Graham? Anyone that likes to stand on kind of street corners and shout at people and tell them that they must go to heaven? Anyone here? I'm looking on purpose because we've got a sign-up list. But I'm just guessing most of us prefer not to kind of make a big deal. Yeah? Most of us are probably a little more retiring. But it says here there should be some good deeds that come out of our lives and they should be noticeable. And can I just help us all and let us off the the guilt trip of being Billy Graham or not? It says when I do those good deeds, then people will see those good deeds and they will glorify my Father in heaven. I don't have to preach like an angel. I don't have to know every scripture off by heart. I've just got to do some good deeds. And people go, oh, wow, Father in heaven. Isn't that amazing? At work, in your complex, <laughs> driving on your streets. It's amazing how people watch it. You don't even realize. And it says if we do good works, they will glorify our Father in heaven. And so over the last while, we've said that... Um, that we need to be unstuck from these well-worn paths. And I, I have to just say to you, as, I mean, I get to preach most Sundays maybe when we're here. And uh, I, I just want to say, this isn't the stuff I'm preaching at you. Colette and I have changed the way we do our life this year. We, we're running our life differently. We've married 23 years. We're running our life different this year because of prophetic people unstuck. 
we've got a destination that God's taking us to, and we must prepare, become, uh, see, prepare, and become. And then we need to put our lives, we need to be unstuck. And um, so we've said in, in our faith life, we want to be unstuck, get out of just the same old well-worn paths. Someone said, don't worry, in our family and friends, uh, with our relationships, and in our finances. <laughs> you, you know what I realize? Even in the family situation, uh, you, you know when you stub your toe on the same brick every day? Do you have something like that? You complain that you have an argument with the same person, or you, you have the same irritation, or we've got great friends, Ian and Bernie Whedon, and one day we were talking to them, and we're kind of like, ah, just, you know, we need some, we need to just get over the hump that we were on. And Colette was saying to them, you know, it's like, just, there's so many areas in our lives that are, have you had weeks like that? I tell you, Bernie Whedon, she stood up, she went to her kitchen, she opened a drawer, she came back, she said, there you go, Colette. Gave her a brand new uh, can opener. This is sometimes you just got to fix the squeaking wheel. Sometimes you just got to m- make a move, right? And for me, it's just, it, we get into the rut, but I find myself when the kids are small, I find myself going through a long time of arguing, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. Do you have to, like, really, are we going to do this again today and again today? Surely somewhere along the line, you've just got to do it once and it's over. If you stub your toe on the same brick, move the brick. Yes. If you wake up grumpy every morning, then go to sleep earlier or take, do something. You can't just see the same movie over and over again. There has to be progress being made. I think so. Finances, fitness, our health, our future. And this morning we're talking about our fruitfulness. Um, you know, when it comes to getting unstuck, often our plan to getting unstuck just takes us foster into some kind of debt. Now, we've spoken about money and, and health quite a bit because it's quantifiable. It's easy to figure it out. Some of the hard things are a little bit more subjective. But, but here's my point. Sometimes in our family life, maybe you feel it the same. You, suddenly you realize, oh, we've got to find room in our budget for another expense, whatever it might be. Maybe the geezer blows up and you have to repair something you weren't planning on repairing or something. Yeah, And normally what happens is we just take that expense and we squeeze it into the budget. And then we don't balance the budget at the end of the month. Uh, I've been talking about everydollar.com. It's a, it's a budget app. And uh, they have a zero, bud- uh, uh, zero budget. And so every month you can adjust. So if you end up spending too much in this area, you just have to take a little bit out. Two months ago, we sat the family down. We said, right, every one of us, we're going to have a little dock in our pocket money, our fund money. We get pocket money, just by the way. The kids get more than us, as I don't quite understand. We work for the money, they get more than we do. But anyway, you see, because by the end of the month, we wanted to get to zero again, not to negative. So less chocolates that month. Yeah? But normally in our lives, we want to get unstuck. So we say, oh, there's another thing. Let's squeeze it in. For example, some of you guys here at Grace Club tell me you wake up 4.30 in the morning to go exercise. I'm like, ew, don't ask me to come along. Yeah, and so and the answer then might be, if you don't go to sleep earlier, the answer is to lose an hour's sleep so I can exercise, because exercise is good for you. Well, sleep is also good for you. And we, then we run into a sleep deficit. Or we suddenly decide, man, I'm going to do this. And instead of 
taking resources from one area to employ them in another area. We leave everything where it was, all the rev counters in red, and we just add some more petrol. You understand? So even you, you might say, oh God, I'm so stirred, I want to be unstuck with my faith. So unstuck with my faith, so I'm going to read my Bible. And so I'm going to wake up earlier and I'm going to do... And what we're doing is just taking another expense and we're forcing it into our budget. Actually, we should, if it's a priority, we should do, not do other things so we can do these things. In January, we were blessed with five things that broke in our house. Five things. But remember, I told you, we've changed the way we're doing our life. Changed the way we're doing our life. In the past, we would have done it differently. But we've, there's a goal. Our budget has been given stronger banks because we want to get where we want to go. Yeah? <laughs> I, I, I can give you a testimony. Two of those things have miraculously revived themselves over a two-month period. <laughs> Very close to my heart, my coffee machine packed up. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know how much that thing's going to take cost to, to go for a you know, service? And so we've been making a plan. Coffee's close to my heart. We've been making a plan. Well, I don't know, about six weeks. I took the whole thing apart right down to its nuts and bolts, and I had to put it back together again. No joy. I don't know, Friday morning? Friday morning, Colette says, okay, I'll make coffee. Yes, thank you, great. Uh, upstairs, all of a sudden, I hear that noise. I'm like, what? <laughs> Colette says, oh, just force of habit. I bumped the thing, and it worked. But my point is this, rather than just squeeze something extra in, we say, no, but there's no space. And so I've got to give up on something if I want to add that thing in. And so I'm choosing to give up on that thing because there's other things that we will not let go. You understand? So we've got to be careful. The unstuck process actually puts us in debt. It puts us in sleep debt. It puts us in health debt. It puts us in money debt. Oh, my car's packed up. I need another car. Okay, so let's push another payment into the budget. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right, so there's three, three, three areas that I want to ask us some questions about this morning. But the question I want to raise is the point is that are we making progress? Is it visible to the people around us? And is it visible to me? You know, Jesus, born as a baby, grew up, began his public ministry. He called 12 people. We spoke about that series. It's still one of my favorites from last year. And uh, he called 12 men to, to him. And he trained them and he lived with them and he traveled with them. And then he sent them off and gave them some, ex some trial experiences. And then after three years, he handed over his entire plan for mankind to these 12 men. Uh, Colette and I always laugh, we, we say in Centurion, we're normally the least educated people in the room, because you guys have got PhDs and you, you know, second, uh, second degrees and masters and all these fancy pants stuff, but if, uh, three years doesn't get you much from the university, does it? Doesn't get you much from you, you're lucky to get away with a BA, yeah? I mean, if I was Jesus setting up the plan for mankind, I think I would have taken a little longer with those 12 guys, wouldn't you? So he spends 12 years, three years with them, and he's right, over to you. So let's just ask, I want to put you to put your feet, yourself in the feet of the, of the 12. How are you doing compared to three years ago? Imagine the disciples. Like, okay, bye, Jesus. <laughs> Remember him ascending and they watched him? The angel said, who are you looking for? 
Yeah? Remember them thinking, gee, three years ago we were like this fisherman. Now we have been told to go and tell everyone in the world about this Savior. So let me ask you, if you've been a Christian for more than three years, where were you at three years ago? Is there progress between then and now, and how much? Is it quantifiable? Are people looking at your good works and glorifying your Father in heaven? Are there more now than three years ago? I'm asking. Because the danger for Christians is that we're exactly the same. The challenge is the longer you walk with Jesus and are part of a local church, the less growth there is. Three areas. Number one is emotional growth. Last weekend, we had Alan and Deline Parfit with us. Outstanding ministry. I really want to encourage you. Get onto the podcast on the website and have a listen. He spoke about us becoming whole so that we can offer healing, that the church can be a healing community. He spoke about healing in our emotions, healing in our faith life. And uh, so I want to ask us this morning, are we stuck in a rut emotionally? I regularly speak to people that are afraid of still being in South Africa. You can't just live in the same emotional space you're in and you're out, right? It's not good for us. Can't live in fear of will my, what you know. Will you still love me? <laughs> I was listening to a podcast, and this husband and wife had been separated for five years, and they were getting back together again. But in the meantime, the husband had acquired a whole bunch of debt, and the wife had acquired a whole bunch of savings. And so she phones in, she says, what should I do? And the guy says, well, you don't, get, you don't keep the debt, you use the savings, settle the debt. And then he, she started talking, and you could hear she wasn't confident. They were working their way to get back together as a married couple, but there was still a lack of confidence that if I put all my savings to pay for your debt, will you still be around when I'm done? You can't live like that. You can't live concerned. We have to make progress you have to get out of the rut you got to so i'm asking how's our emotional growth am i are the same things getting to me today as before uh, <laughs> are we still complaining about that same thing ah the stolly whatever it is kick the washing machine because it still doesn't work properly five years later are the same things getting to us as before? Do I respond the same way as I used to in the same circumstance? <laughs> Am I as disturbed by the same challenges in life? Yes, Donnie preached in the city. He, he preached so amazingly. He said, trials are there to point us back to God. It was amazing. And he showed us King Asa. And he said, 26 years, God uh, took him through trials. And then he was fine. Life was good. And then 26 years later, he had a major trial again. But in, those, in that time, he had forgotten how to first go to God. Yeah. And he doesn't respond like he did there the right way. He responds the wrong way. I'm just saying, are we... Are we responding better, you know, when your neighbor has a party all night? Are we responding the same way last year as this year, three years later? 
Alan Parfit says, do I still have the same anxiety triggers in me, the same anger triggers in me, the same guilt triggers in me? Am I losing my rag at the same things? That guy pulls in front of you. You just know, I don't drive with you because you shout in the car. <laughs> Are we still as road ragey now as three years ago? Can I just suggest, man, I, I, I'm trying to stand on toes, but I'm trying to do it graciously. Because I'm a nice guy. Promise. <laughs> and if you don't believe me. <laughs> but we have to start looking in the mirror a little bit and say, is there progress in my life? Is the process of sanctification making me more like Jesus? Or am I just fooling myself and everyone around me? Somewhere along the line, as Christians, we think if I get to church more than one Sunday a month, I'm like, bronze star. Discovery tells me if I, if I exercise four times a month, four weeks in the month, if I get my goals, A, sharp. If I only do it three months, then it's only 50%. They're clever. It's, but we kind of think if I just turn up once in a while, it's enough. It's not enough because is it better than three years ago? A three-year-old disciple was able to change the world. Emotional growth. Am I unstuck in my emotions? The second one is relational growth. I want to ask us this morning, are my current relationships, number one, healthy, and number two, deepening? Think about your relationships. Are they healthy? Are they deepening? Yes, we reach out to everyone, but this might be in a, a relationship that's unhealthy, unhelpful for you. You might need to have a break from that relationship. When I hang out with that guy, I come home and I'm always grumpy. When I listen too much to that conversation, I think the country is going down the tubes. Healthy and deepening. Remember Alan Parfit told us the church is a healing community. He says it's not just turning up to meetings, it's being part of a community, a family of God. And I would trust whether we're this size or 50 times bigger, we're still something of the family of God together. Am I purposefully investing relationally? Am I growing in my relationships? Am I investing? Am I giving time to hang out with that friend? One of the beauties of uh, the privilege that I have, and you're welcome to join in, is that when you travel for the gospel, you have hours to spend with people. I have certain friends who don't let me sleep when we're together because we talk most of the night. We end up saying things about each other that maybe you wouldn't if it was just in passing. Are we investing relationally? <laughs> let me ask you to answer this question in your mind. When last did I invite someone from Grace Cove into my home? When last? Because you know what happens? We kind of get, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. Hey, we must do something together. Week goes past. Next Sunday, hey, we must do something. Month goes past. Six months go past. You suddenly realize, yeah, it's like annual rent review. Still haven't. I'm asking if we say that church is a relational thing that we're building. When last? Did, have you had someone from church in your house? Coffee table? Dinner table? <laughs> my great-granddad, uh, my granddad, my mom's dad was a preacher 
And uh, they also had it, I mean, they had some tough times and he, he would forever invite people around the house, you know, and his poor wife, my gran, would have to like, and they would say, you're welcome to come. It might be peanut butter and sandwich. Uh, it might be um, soup. It's fine. More people come. You just add more water. There's, you know, you can have what we're having. It's fine. So often we feel like, man, if we're not able to offer that, we rather mustn't. In a few minutes' time, we're going to have coffee out in the courtyard. You'll have an opportunity to speak to someone you don't know. Hello, my name is Craig. What's yours? I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Maybe we'd become friends. Who knows? How is your relational growth? How is your relational growth? You know, when Colette and I got married, we had to sell some possessions of our, some personal We moved into this little one-bedroom flat. And uh, we had to sell some stuff, and we, 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 we were so proud of ourselves. We were young and just starting out. And uh, we were so proud of ourselves, we bought one of those green plastic patio sets. Plastic table and six chairs. Yeah? And then Colette dickied it up with a tablecloth, and that was our dining room table. And uh, <laughs> so that we could invite people around, so they could sit at our dining room table. Our coffee table was a box with a lop over it. But we still had people come around. I remember once we invited a good friend of ours. Fortunately, he was a good friend. And then we realized we invited him for coffee and we didn't have milk in the fridge. Our friend arrived with a box of milk in his hand. Who does that? <laughs> it's so easy for us to say, oh, and when I, you know. So we had this one bedroom. We had a team of people come to the church. And so we needed hosting. So we put up our hands. They can, X number can stay with us. They can sleep on the floor under the plastic table. It'll be fine. <laughs> the thing we didn't think through is that the only bathroom in the house was en suite. So these poor guys in the middle of the night, they needed to go to the bathroom. They'd knock on our bedroom door. We were a newly married couple, all shy and everything. And they had to walk through our bedroom to go to the toilet. But you know what? People here in Grace Cubs are like, sorry, I can't host because I don't have a spare room. Told you I'm stepping on toes. I can't invest in relationships because I don't have enough to feed you. To offer you, I, I, my, I'm embarrassed about my carpet, suburb I live in. Are we stuck in our relationships? Or are we showing progress? Last one. How's our fruitfulness? How's our fruitfulness? I told you the story in, in uh, Mark chapter 11, when Jesus curses the fig tree because it's got no fruit. But there's another passage very similar in Luke chapter 13. I'll just read it to you for the sake of time. Uh, Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in a vineyard, and he went to, to look for fruit on it. He didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Just think, I've asked you, think back three years, compare yourself now. Imagine if I said to you, you know, I've known you, Amor, for three years. I mean, could you imagine if a friend close enough to you who had liberty to talk said, man, you know, we've been chatting for three years. I don't see fruit. It sounds offensive, doesn't it? I tell you, that conversation could rescue your life. And so this guy says, for three years I've been looking at the tree and there's no fruit. He says, cut it down. We, we need that space. Yeah. And the man says, Leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. I can just imagine all the efforts that go to helping this tree. 
And he says, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And I would suggest to you, how fruitful are we? Are there areas in our lives where the tree's got no fruit, it's time to cut it, move on? Or is there time where we fertilize, I put some extra effort? Now remember, don't just push it into your budget and go into debt. I'll sleep less, I'll work harder, more bricks, less straw. No, 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 you might have to prioritize and stop doing something so you can start doing something else. But I would like to ask us, how are we? Are we stuck in our fruitfulness? I've spoken about guys thinking like just coming to church is sharp. And then you like get really, yo, I'm really counting for Jesus, I even tithe. But I want to say to us this morning, if we are a community, every member of the family has a role to play. Everyone. Everyone, you know, right now, I don't know why, it just so happens, we have the least guys serving at Grace Cove than we have had for years. I don't know why, maybe everyone's busy or whatever, I'm not here to judge, I'm just here to challenge. Kids ministry, set up. Every area you can think of, maybe even some new ones that are sitting bubbling in your heart we don't even know about. I'm saying, how's our level of fruitfulness? If you look back and say, three years ago, Colin, Laura, how long have you been with us? How many Decembers? Three Decembers. Yes, I can I, I often uh, keep looking at you guys while I'm preaching. I remember sitting there next to the, the slippery slide, chatting, hello, my name's Craig, this is da-da-da. Remember that introduction? I mean, they were traveling from far. Just They'd been told about Grace Cove, and there they were. They turned up. We were chatting. They're brand new Christians. Brand new. I'm thinking, man, three Christmases ago, here you are. I can say to you guys, there's been a little bit of fruit. We've seen some progress. If you had to think back three years and think back now, not just because the preacher's angry and shouting, but just think for ourselves, am I making progress? Can people look at my good works and glorify my Father in, in heaven? I want to say every family member has a role to play. We should have too many. You know, we've been trying to get a security detail because we've had some lurkers around the property. We've been trying to get a security detail. All you've got to do is put a harvest vest and wander around for about 20 minutes. Um, even the guys can do that, you know, they, they can manage. And uh, if we look at the numbers of people in Grace Cove and the numbers of Sundays and meetings, each man once a year, we've got it down. You know, we struggle to get through a Sunday with a security detail. I don't know why. I'm just saying, man, how's your fruitfulness? Is there areas we need to be more fruitful? I'll finish with this. A friend of mine who, um, who we've given access as a couple, and I have as a man, to speak into my life. We were chatting, and he said to me this. He said, you know, Craig, you may need to seemingly neglect certain areas or even some priorities so that you can concentrate on this specific area that he was talking to me about for the future's sake. And I thought, man, you haven't been listening to Unstuck. You might need to take the attention of something so you can give attention to the I thought, sure, just so resonated in me. I'm asking, are there some areas? We can't just go more into debt. But are there areas that we choose to stop so we can apportion more?
Would you stand with me? If I've stood on your toes, I apologize. All I'm doing is asking you to ask some questions. No one's going to be walking around with a clipboard saying, ah, yeah, you, cross, you, no. I'm just trying to stir us. I want to ask us this morning and then I'll pray. Are we becoming unstuck in our fruitfulness, in our relational fruitfulness, in our emotional fruitfulness, and in our service with Jesus? If I look back three years, have I progressed? If not, let's talk. Let's do something about it. Let's pray. Jesus, Father, for some here this morning, it probably is, let's dig around the fruit tree, let's fertilize, let's water, let's do what we can so that there can be fruit. For others, there may be fruit, and yet there's room for more fruit. And for some, there might be very little fruit. I pray, Jesus, over our emotional growth, our relational growth. I pray, Jesus, that the church wouldn't just be a meeting I attend, but actually there would be, this is my family. Maybe differing degrees with this whole group, but Lord, I pray that we, our doors would be open. We'd, we'd regularly have people in and out. Wouldn't just be people I sit next to in the same row at church, but man, we'd share life. And then, Jesus, I pray. The parable of the sower, that it says that the good seed that fell in the good ground yielded 30, 60, 100 fold. I spoke to a man yesterday that, that he went through a tough time and God got him through and allowed him to buy a business. He's about to sell that business. He says, Craig, I will make a hundred fold return on my original investment. That's unheard of. And sometimes we don't kind of think it's possible. Maybe you and I just need to see some more fruitfulness. One milli makes a milli bush tree, whatever you call it, but can produce many millies. Father, I pray for us in Jesus' name that you'd help us to get unstuck, not just life flashing by, but we would on purpose withdraw some resources from some places to invest in specific places that we might progress in our relationship with you and our service of your kingdom, that men and women around us would look at us and glorify you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Some tea and coffee in the courtyard. Uh, please be kind to me when I see you there. Have a great Sunday.